Hi, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm the host of Parenting Our Future. And if you're listening to this podcast, I want to thank you so much for being here. I also want you to know that I'm a former angry mom. I used to yell and rage and threaten and punish my kids because I wasn't getting the cooperation or the behavior that I felt I should be getting. And I struggled for many years, not knowing how to change or knowing what to do differently. It wasn't until I found the world of peaceful parenting that I learned why my kids acted the way they did and also why I was so angry and triggered. I was able to heal my anger and leave my triggers behind so that I could focus on being the calm and confident parent I always expected myself to be. I can tell you that feeling connected to your kids is the best feeling in the world. My two boys are teenagers now, and we have a strong relationship that is rooted in deep connection. And where there is connection, there's cooperation. Parenting is the most important job we do, but it's the hardest job we do. And we do it without understanding the fundamentals of the way our kids grow and develop. We do it without knowing the way their brains work or what their behavior is actually really telling us. So it's no wonder it's so hard. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, this is harder than I thought it would be. And that's where I come in. I can help you and I can support you so that you can have the cooperation and enjoy being a parent. You can book a free call with me on my website, parentingforconnection.com. And if you want to download my free guide, how to turn a no into cooperation, go to triggerfreeparents.com. I really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Our Future. Okay, parents, this is all about parent rights because I think it's really important that we know what our rights are when our kids are in school. And, you know, we're often not told what our rights are. And I have the most wonderful expert who's going to talk to us about this. I've already learned some things from her that are incredible. So I have Catherine Michael here. She is an attorney who practices throughout the state of Indiana, Texas, and Michigan. She's also an educational consultant and a parent coach, which I love. She represents students and their families in a variety of educational and personal injury matters, including special education due process, Section 504 matters, expulsion, disciplinary issues, personal injury of children, including injury, sexual abuse, molestation, and rape cases, both in and out of school environments, private school issues, and discipline, as well as other civil rights and disability claims experienced by students. This is such valuable information. Thank you so much for being here, Catherine. I'm so happy to have you. Yeah, I am so delighted to be here with you, Robin. And as you know, I really love your podcast um, and think you are just doing an extraordinary job. Oh, thank you so, so much. And as a parent that has a child with extra needs, uh, you know, I have two boys and they're both teenagers, one of whom has learning difficulties. He is, you know, has is not neurotypical, if you will. He also has ADHD, right? He has obsessive compulsive disorder. A lot of my my listeners know this, and these are things that we have 
gone through throughout the years in school with him. And I can tell you, school is probably the biggest, one of the biggest pain points for me. I feel vulnerable. I feel like I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to ask for, what, what I, what my rights are. I really don't. And that has been a huge struggle. And it isn't until I talk to somebody that say, no, it's absolutely your right to get X, Y, and Z. And I just think, oh, I never even thought to ask for that. So you're here to help us kind of unravel this and you know, when we talk about, let's maybe start with children with special needs. I think a lot of people who listen to, to my show, you know, have a child that is maybe a little extra, has big behaviors, maybe has ADHD, has learning difficulties, that sort of thing. So can we sort of start there? Um, yeah, we, I mean, we absolutely can. And what you're describing, even how you're feeling is how most of the parents I talk to are feeling. Even if they're not necessarily having issues with the school, they don't know what they can ask for. They're often in a state of frustration. They're not sure if things are actually going well at school or if there are a ton of things that need to be fixed. And then I also get that group that says, I already know there's a ton of stuff that needs to be fixed. I'm just not sure what to do. So first of all, in the US, there's something called the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And that is a federal law that provides all sorts of rights to families of children with disabilities. But moms and dads, the only enforcers of this law are you. The state departments of education aren't going in there and checking on every individual child's IEP. They're not making sure that they're getting the right amount of speech therapy, OT, if they have autism, whether or not they need applied behavior um, analysis, or if they should have a BCBA or registered uh, behavior technician working with them. Um, if your child has ADHD, no one is going in and saying, hey, school, you actually need to put in place a lot more accommodations. So what happens is start to cut corners. And, and let's be honest, we all cut corners in life. So, I mean, we can fault the schools, but the fact of the matter is that they are going to cut corners. And it doesn't mean they're mean. It doesn't mean they're awful. But it means that you have to understand you are your child's best and strongest advocate. Um, and so parents really need to become aware of what they have the right for. So in the U.S., that law that I mentioned, which is known as IDEA, its acronym, gives every parent the right to a free, appropriate public education for their child with disabilities. And what that means is that your child is supposed to have a program that's appropriate for them functionally, psychologically, behaviorally and academically. And that would entail having really good present levels of performance that are charted and measured, regular progress monitoring, goals across their areas of need, specific and individualized services specific to their disability, not a one size fits all, here's what our school offers. And that would even include related services. That could even be you know, therapeutic recreational services. In some districts, that's equine therapy. Um, that can include uh, summer services, and we call those extended school year services to really keep your child on track year round. But the, the thing that most parents just don't know is that the school is not gonna tell you all of this. Um, mm. There, yeah, and, and, and that's, you know, we you and I both nod because, you know, most of us as parents, and me included, you go into an IEP meeting and you expect that a school is going to give you all the information you need. Right. But your school is not there to basically teach you the law. And, and these are laws. And, and they're going to 
provide you what they think is you know appropriate but most teachers don't know the law most school administrators aren't sure what they're supposed to offer even though they should be trained in that so what happens is that parents get to me and i know robin you talk to a lot of them too where they get to us and they're in a state of frustration and really corners have been cut sometimes for years and years and years um, and parents never knew that it wasn't the school's job to tell them that. Well, and I, I want to say that usually it's only when it gets to a really bad place that you're in this position where it's not necessarily too late, but it kind of feels that way. Yeah. And, you know, that's one thing I, I think is that a lot of times in life, what I will hear from parents, they'll get to me and their child is in 10th and 11th grade. Yeah. They're reading at a second and third grade level. And what has happened is the parent didn't want the school to dislike them, right? And that's all yeah. of us, right? We want to be liked, but they thought, you know, they're, they're doing what they can. My, my child's teacher is, is really working hard, or I don't know what I can ask for. And they get to me and they're starting to panic because they know their child's not going to be able to succeed in college. They're not going to be able to actually even do a vocational program because they can't read. And what I tell them then is the law entitles you to that appropriate program for your child, which means if they need specialized reading instruction and to remediate them, let's say they need specialized reading instruction four hours a day, that's what they need to be getting. And the way that we get that in the U.S. is basically asking for an educational due process hearing. There's not damages associated with this, right? Your school's worst penalty from not having provided your child services sometimes for a decade um, yeah. is that they're gonna, there's a prevailing party statute and idea which says that if you show a hearing officer that the school did not provide your child FAPE, which is gonna free appropriate public education, they have to pay your attorney's fees and any costs you've had over the past two years in some situations. And those are just, if you had to buy some books for your child, you paid for a summer camp, you can ask for those reimbursements. But if you think about it, the school has now saved in some of these situations, a decade of specialized reading instruction, a decade of having to provide behavior specialists, a decade of having to supply OT or PT. So for schools, and, and this is sad but true, it's not to their advantage to really seek out and provide these services. And so the, and the law was structured because parents are gonna know their child best that if the parent spots a problem, that the parent will take action, that they'll file an educational due process, they'll schedule it for a mediation with the law not understanding that as parents, we don't read the law. Most of us, you know, as parents, if I didn't do this for a living, we don't pop out our state statutes, download the federal law, start highlighting it up and saying, where is my school not providing this? Um, so that's, that's part of the problem. And that's why schools don't necessarily tell you. And again, it's not, I think that most teachers who go into this, most, not all, um, are really good people who are trying to do their job. And right now, both in Canada and the US, we were talking earlier, they're not being provided a lot of support. Teacher salaries are really low. And we have yeah. teachers leaving the classrooms at really huge levels. Yeah. And a lot of that is because they don't have support. Yeah. Uh, and that's a huge problem. And that's where parents also need to be really vocal with their schools um, that this is unacceptable. Right. So I think what, what I hear from you is 
we need to be empowered, right? Yes. We need to be empowered and know that teachers don't necessarily know the law themselves. The school in and of itself will hide it from you, maybe not on a diabolical level, but maybe I don't know what, you know, what that's about, but that the laws are only enforced by the parents. And I think that is the, I just want everyone to hear that you said, you already said it, but I just want to highlight it. And that there is really no penalty for the school if they don't follow through. And there's a decade worth of, you know, support that wasn't given, all they need to do is give you your legal fees back and maybe some, uh, you know, other things that you've paid for over the years. Okay. So like, that is a really, really important point. And let's be honest, 10 years in a child's life, you're now talking about a teenager Yes, might even be like, well, screw you. I don't even want to do this extra reading. And so now you're up against that. That's what happens. Yes. And, you know, and I can get it fixed going forward. But the fact of the matter is, especially when we're talking about reading, when we're talking about reading and sometimes behavior, we have this window of opportunity. And that's what makes me really frustrated. And I think that's where you using the word empowerment is so important. Parents have to stop looking at the school as this is my friend who's doing everything they can for me. Schools, and, and this, when I say schools, I mean public schools are government entities. They're funded by your state to provide a service, right? There may be fantastic, wonderful people working for them, but you are your child's voice and your that voice shouldn't be worried about, I shouldn't make a demand because when a parent gets to me and they were worried for a decade about not being liked and now i'm dealing with their child not being able to read the repercussions of that for their child could be lifelong and what i do is i get in there and i will um, have that child evaluated send the parent to an evaluator Um, we will start gathering data what is it going to take for me to get this kid to where they should be because my hope is i'm going to take this child from where they are now How are we going to get them successful in life, right? It's not just this year. If this child can't go out, whether it's a vocational program, a community college, um, job skills, then we've really lost someone in in society. Right, yeah. Yeah. And and so how do we fix that now? And in many times, you know, with a teenager, um, you know, the, the frustrating thing is, when you have to really explain to them, look, this is why we're going to do it now and trying to make it something that they can buy into too and changing education from usually, you know, when they're older, they're really you know, disenchanted with it at that point. Um, and they, yes. And so it's trying to turn that around. And that's what's frustrating too. There are no damages associated. So when I see a child who is really damaged um, as a result of what I would call, and it's not an action in many places, what I would call educational neglect and yeah. just being passed through the system. Um, it's, it's really disappointing. But you know, the one thing I want to say about empowerment is there are options. Um, whether your child is in second grade, fourth grade, whether you're listening to this podcast and your child is in 12th grade, if you're in Mississippi or Maine or California, All of these states have to follow the federal law, which is, again, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And almost all of the states have just codified that law into their state law. Um, And there are actions you can take right now, whether you need to go find a parent advocate or an education attorney and just get somebody to help you, that should be available. 
and it could be truly and you know this is i there are i'm not you know exaggerating it most parents find it to be absolutely life-changing um incredible and and you know most of the things that i hear from parents afterwards are i wish i had known about this earlier i wish i had done this earlier um and that's the thing i think that I, i see the most of is that regret You know, this is so relevant to so many people who I work with, you know, so many people who've struggled in, 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 in school for their child. Um, and, and I, I, can I just ask you to define disabilities? What does that mean? Yeah. So disabilities are any that, well, there's a list of conditions that are disabilities. And when we talk about it in schools, um, the list is not exhaustive. So when we use the word disability, it's anything that is going to, um, under 504, we would say anything that substantially limits your ability to live, walk, breathe, interact with others. Um, and Section 504 is one of the disability-related laws that actually gives us a little bit of, of a definition. And the reason that we have a, you know, it's sort of a, it's a wide span as to a disability is in the U.S., for instance, asthma qualifies as a disability, right? And if you have a child with asthma, that actually in many states, they can actually have an IEP for having asthma if it also has an impact on their educational performance, right? If you have a child that is really struggling in school, missing a lot of school because of asthma, um, and some children really have it very severely, and we're starting to see that educational impact, they're not able to pay attention in certain classes because they're struggling to breathe, we can get them an IEP for that. Um, so I want you to think of disabilities as truly something that is having an impact on that individual's life. ADHD, autism, cognitive disabilities, learning disabilities, um, a child who um, is struggling with a mitochondrial disorder, um, which often in, in most mitochondrial disorders, we're seeing fatigue, behavioral issues, um, things that will actually cause limited attention, limited strength. Um, there's actually, again, if, if a parent just puts in list of disabilities and idea, it'll come right up. And again, that list isn't meant to be exhaustive because it's really hard to define a disability right? It it just, it is. And things that uh, weren't even defined 15 years ago, like I don't think I was using the term mitochondrial disorder 15 years ago. Um, But what we started to see is that children we thought had chronic fatigue issues actually had mitochondrial disorders or children we thought had Lyme disease um, had this. And so, and that even goes, if a child is having Lyme disease and they're having all sorts of symptoms, that's something that's a disability. Again, it's anything that is going to impact your ability to live, walk, breathe, think, interact with others. You know, I almost think that schools need to completely flip their model and really look at everybody as a complete individual. Yeah, yeah, and not as, you know, and, and the kids that aren't impacted by anything, which I almost think are few and far between yeah, right? days, they'll just thrive anyway. They're just going to be fine anyway, yes. right? So we need to do that. And and I boy do I hope that's changing. And one of the things that I that I heard, you know, that I that I want to talk about that you said that that really got me sort of thinking is is the cost of all of this, not in terms of money, but money too, because 
you know, when you talk about how a parent, and I am no different, I am by definition a people pleaser, and I really am trying not to be that me way, too. right? Like I want people to like yeah. me, and I definitely want the teachers to like me because that's a fear that my child won't do well. They won't like him, yes. they'll, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Uh, by the way, my other son is a pretty typical child, right? Although he has recently had some challenges too, where we had to advocate for him too. So I know I always talk about the one, but got to. Anyway, um, I, uh, you know, when I talk, when I think about what you said, you know, I think that parents, I think what we need to stop and think about is the cost of this. So essentially you don't, you want to save face. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be that parent. You don't want to be the pain in the neck. You don't want to be, uh Oh, here's Mrs. McMahon coming again, talking about, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Right. Like, Oh my gosh, here she is. You know, everybody runs when you, okay. So that is a cost. That's not fun. But when you leave things, they start to get more and more heavy. They cost more down the line because now you're dealing not just with your own embarrassment, you're dealing with your child's self-esteem. Then you're dealing with bigger school issues. You're going to pay one way or the other. So let's try our best, right? Let's try our best to put, when you get that feeling that something's not right, that's your signal to say, okay, hang on a second. I got to know what's going on. I got to know my rights push your way in there. Don't be popular. It's not about you. It's about doing what's best for your child. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're right. And that those 10 years, you cannot get back. I have a kid who hasn't gotten the help. And, 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 and when I talk about help, I don't mean just in school. I mean, even in our medical system hasn't gotten help until just a couple of years ago. And we've lived with it. We've had to convince people, you know, it's just because we never stopped that people finally paid attention to yeah. us, but even that is excruciating. So you're already paying, you're already uncomfortable. So let's just do it as soon as we can, when we have an idea and we know our kids, I always yes. knew my son was going to be a challenge. I really did. And you know, and so you, you play this mind game, right? Well, I don't want it to be self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't want, you know, like all this stuff where you go back and forth, but the reality is go do the thing because the cost is huge. The cost is, is going to affect your child's life and therefore your life. Yes. So just do it, just do it. And we're here to help you. Right. Yes. And I think that's the important thing because parents often forget when their child gets to college They're already, you know, I have parents who they call me because their child is now in college. They didn't learn to, they started out, you know, thinking, okay, we'll just put them in our community college. They really struggled in high school. They're paying the tuition that the child is having trouble getting a job because they actually can't even fill out the employment application. And what, what's frustrating is that I will have these parents tell me, you know, I don't know if he's just not trying hard enough. And I'm like, well, he's 19 now let's get him tested second, third grade reading level. And that's when we talk about the cost, that young man, unless we get him even assistance now at 19 and 20, and that's gonna, that's a different way than when he's before graduation. Um, and parents, you know, always believe that if a child graduates from high school, that means they can read. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean what it did even 20 years ago, I'm telling you. Um, so one thing that parents have to keep in mind is it's harder to fix once the child is out. Um, and if your child is going to have to be moving back into you, they're not going to be able to earn a living. That's a big problem. Also, one thing that I see 
too, and this is the most, this, the saddest part for me is, and you probably heard the term, the school to prison pipeline, where we oh, see yes. children, yeah, we see children who are struggling with learning disabilities, things aren't going well in school, right? And, and so they start acting out, right? It would be like if, for those of us who aren't like whizzes and calculus and physics, if we were going in all day and it's advanced calculus, advanced trigonometry, um, advanced algebra, and we're sitting there all day and we're not getting it, right? We're gonna either seem like we're out of it, staring out of the window, we're gonna start looking at the work, we're not gonna be able to do it, and then people are going to keep telling us we're not trying hard enough. If we only worked harder, it 100%. erodes these kids' self-esteem. They start making really bad choices. They make bad friends because those are the friends who also have the similar struggles. Those are the yeah. friends who are also having trouble in school. Mm. And then, you know, when I have a, a client who's come to me and it's a, a, let's say, a juvenile criminal matter, and that when I say juvenile, sometimes they'll come because I had been an education attorney for them when they were in first or second grade. Now they're 19. Parents haven't kept up with really making sure the school was on top of it. And they come to me later on and I'm looking at a criminal action now because we have this you know, seven year gap and the behavior got worse and worse. So when we talk about really um, the cost of this, the cost is sky high. And especially in cases where we don't have parents involved necessarily, like foster children, children oh. whose parents don't necessarily have an education. Mm -hmm. It's it's really heartbreaking mm -hmm. um, when you see someone who really had a lot of potential and now they're going to struggle maybe for the rest of their life because we didn't catch it when we should have. Oh, I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it yeah. all the time, you know, um, Yes. I see it with my son. I yeah. do. And it's, you know, and then you get, you get feedback back from the teachers. Well, your, your son put his head down uh, all day. And I'm like, I, I know, I don't know what you want me to do about that yes. though. Like, right? like I mean, because here's the thing, and I know you believe this too, right? Behavior is communication, right? Yeah. yeah. If, if I put my head down. It's because I'm, I'm overstimulated. I, the material is too hard. I'm not feeling engaged. Like if you and I were presenting to an audience and we see them just start to stare at their phones, look out the window, we know we're not engaging with them, right? Right. And, and that's the thing is actually starting to look at these children and saying, how are we going to create classrooms that are truly engaging? Um, and it is possible. I've seen schools do it. Um, a lot of them, unfortunately, are private or some charter schools. But I mean, Robin, I went to a private school that was a school for children with disabilities. And they also have plenty of children who we would call twice exceptional kids with yeah. sky high IQs, but they may be struggling with social skills because they have autism. Um, and, and they really had it very, it was very computer based for the kids who were good with those systems and very personal based for the children who needed that multi-sensory learning. Kids who were good at math and reading were just sailing along, then they'd get together in groups. Um, children who needed the, the interpersonal skills, they were, they were really grouping them. They were keeping groups of three to six all through the day and actively engaging them, letting kids who were making academic progress move forward. They weren't going to be bored out of their mind if you have a sixth grader who's doing math at a ninth or tenth grade level. They just moved them up. A child who's in sixth grade but who's still doing math at a first grade level, 
is being met right at their level with other children who are at that level. And when I see this, I think, you know, this is not that hard to do. It shouldn't only be available for parents who can pay this type of tuition. This is doable. 100%. 100 um, and and so i think that's what's really frustrating is we really know what works the question is if we know what works what is it going to take for us to start doing it yeah boy do i ever hope it starts soon and i hope the pandemic has taught us more about what our kids need i really do hope that that is my greatest hope and i I love teachers. I respect teachers so much. I don't think they get paid yeah. near enough for what they do. Right. And I think we need to invest so much more into education yes. here and in the States, obviously Canada and in the States, you know, there are so many other countries that are doing it so much better yes. and they are really coming out on top. And, uh, and so that is a call that is an invitation to us to be doing this. So let me ask you, and by the way, I, I really want to have you on again, because I want to talk about rights in terms of bullying, in terms of any sexual harassment that kids may, may face, because I think there's more to this conversation that I think my listeners would really love to hear, especially when it comes to bullying. So I, I really hope that we can have you on again soon, because I want to continue this conversation. This has been so, so important to, to talk about. And I love, I'm hanging on every word that you say. Um, can I, can I just ask you, um, where do parents start? Where would they start? If you kind of have that feeling, right. Your child's in grade two and you're like, I don't know about this, you know, or wherever they are, where would they first start? Okay. So I think it depends on where you are. Just if you are in the U.S., I would go to your State Department of, of Education's website and okay. just download your state law in terms of special education. Okay, that I, I want that to be a primer. Um, secondly, and I know you know I have this, but I wanted to create something that would give parents who are new to the system and you know parents who just really want to get a hold of understanding this. I created a website and a subscription, and it's um, coffeewithcatherine.com. And it's my name is Catherine with a C. And and so I created that because there's so much material and I wanted not only Mm. to just present it, right? Because I can say, go to your State Department of Education's website and download it. And I used to tell that to parents all the time, Um, Robin, I would say, just here are all the things you do. And then I would get the email saying, uh, I can't make sense of any of this. How do I actually use it? What do I say in the IEP meeting? So that's why I decided to do this website was basically so that parents could sit down with me in groups um, and other parent advocates and other education attorneys who work with us. And basically we could explain like what the least restrictive environment is, what FAPE actually means in terms of how we look at that um, in the US and, and in terms of law, um, what to do about bullying and harassment. You know, If you want an independent educational evaluation, how to get that for your child, how to mm. actually understand the tests and measures in evaluations that your child is having. Um, you know, all sorts of things that I knew you're just not gonna get from reading them alone. I wanted parents to be able to actually come in groups and learn this, right? And it's not, I didn't just wanna have a video because I didn't want them to have that same being overwhelmed. And so I try and keep the class numbers 
Um, under, you know, we try to get it between 30 and 50. Um, a lot of parents just listen like it's a podcast, right? Just, Love I'm it. just going to listen and, and see how to apply it. Others are right there actively talking to us. Um, we do try and keep the classes small. And it's, it's an experience that I think can benefit parents who are saying, I don't know where to start. I don't necessarily know that I, I, I want to hire an attorney. I want to know how to advocate for my child. Um, and, you know, the same with um, individuals who call themselves parent advocates. Often they go with other parents to IEP meetings who really want to say, I want to help these parents be able to articulate what they're saying to help them understand what's out there, what resources are there. I wanted to be able to offer that in a way that was workable. So it's so helpful to have somebody like you. And I just want to say, I did have a look at your site. I saw what you're offering before you, you and I even talked and you're offering it for just under $25 a month. Come on to have somebody at your level with your, with your experience. That is worth it. That's just a couple of Starbucks. Uh, you yeah. know, like you, know that's what I want. you know what I, I tell parents and it's so true because you and I know, like I was talking about how I'm, I'm scheduled full up with consultations, right? Is that I wanted to make this less than one hour with me, right? You can mm. you spend like a year learning everything that we will schedule a parent for one hour. But the problem that I have is that so many parents don't have access to education attorneys and so many parents just don't have access to the information. How could I make it affordable so that you right. really could come in and say, I can totally do this, right? I can financially do it. I now have this community. I can actively learn. I can ask, how do I actually even apply this information? And somebody mm -hmm. can answer. And so, I wanted to do it in a way that was super budget conscious. I love that. And thank you for that. Thank you on behalf of parents, just like me, who struggled and cried in front of every single teacher yeah. and, and then some principals and so on. It's yeah. like, I'm a mess because that's my soft spot. That's my, yeah, of course. It's my baby and, or my babies. And, you know, I know who they really are and school is not a measure of their worth. And they deserve Absolutely. to have the best experience possible and feel like they are not idiots and losers yes. and wastes of space because right. no child is. So I love that you're doing that. I just, I love it so much. And if anybody's like me, they're hanging off every word that you say, and I could talk to you forever. And I want to say too, by the way, you told me that there are, and sorry if I got the number wrong, but only about 200 education attorneys in yeah, nationwide who are Whoa. doing it full time. Yeah. And I mean, California probably has the biggest number. We might have 50 of them there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when, when I say doing it full time, where it's not just part of a niche practice, um, and one great organization for parents to join as well is the Council of Parents, Advocates, and Attorneys. And you start to see, I mean, there are very, very few attorneys that are truly focused exclusively in education law. We see a lot who dabble, who take a due process case here and there. Um, but a lot just aren't doing it full time. Um, you know, in Texas, we probably have um, less than maybe 20 attorneys in that entire state who do it at all, right? And probably only 10 that are doing it full time. And that's maybe 10 doing it full time. You think of the population of Houston, Texas, you start to see what I'm saying. There's not a lot of resources out here for parents who really may need that help. And that's also why we see schools cutting corners right is that there's not a lot of enforcement and often parents don't know what to ask for 
And mm. so that's, and, and so my hope is I'll sort of change that dynamic. And, and by doing so that we'll change the schools and that, you know, my hope also long-term is that we'll also make the teachers' lives easier because the parents mm. will also start demanding we want our teachers to have the support that they need in the classroom to provide us the, our child with these services. So hopefully we'll all, you know, over the next five, 10 years, start to see our education system really turning around. Oh, yeah, it has to. I just yes. think it has to. But the more pressure from parents, the better. The more educated parents are, the better. And, yes. um, and like, like I already said, the cost is going to be there anyway. Why not? I I'm always about putting the energy on the front end. Let's be as proactive as we can. And, you know, joining a group like yours it, it is incredible. So I'll put all the information in the show notes to make sure people know where to find you. Uh, and uh, because this is invaluable. I wish I, I wish I had had somebody like you in my early days. We just had to figure it out on our own. And I don't think we did that great of a job, to be honest. I, I don't. Okay. And I went through that. That as well. I mean, when I was even just getting into this area and my friends and my relatives, and you know, again, I would send them to so many websites, I would recommend books. And it was always like, okay, there's all this material. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what applies here or there. And, and as parents, we just feel overwhelmed. Totally. So, yeah. I'm already overwhelmed. And now I got to learn the law. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Like, <laughs> okay. So like, uh, yeah. And so just so you know, for anyone who goes and attends, you know, I'm calling them master classes. I do try and make them a little humorous oh, and fun. Oh. I'm not using like a ton of PowerPoints. I, I want people to feel like they're actually interacting with the learning mm -hmm. and, and that's because awesome. that's how we learn, right? It's, and, and, and I think that multi-sensory approach, right. That we're talking about with kids, why not use it with us as adults? Um, so that we actually can get these skills. And even if we don't need them anymore for our children, we can help other kids in our community. We can help other parents who are friends. I, I really think that being active and, um, and teaching others is how we learn. Yeah, absolutely. Word spreads for sure. And if yes. it works for you, you're going to share it with everybody, you know, right? So yes. I just love it. Thank you so much, Catherine. You are wonderful. I have so enjoyed this conversation and we are going to talk again because I do definitely want to cover off bullying and, you know, harassment and different things like that, you know, expulsion, yes. uh, you know, all those kinds of things. I would really love to sort of pepper you oh, with we those can kind of questions. talk about behavior plans as well. Like oh, there's, okay. there's different types that I think um, your listeners might read. There's a functional behavior assessment where we actually figure out what is driving behavior and awesome. then a behavior intervention plan. And I can talk Incredible. about those forever. So we definitely need an episode on that. Definitely. Okay. Well, so until next time, we'll, uh, we'll end it here. Thank you again. This has been Thank absolutely you. wonderful. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and care.